0: People don't realize just how hard it is to actually run a piece of machinery. Like anybody, what's it, like runner operating is hard. Like anybody can run a piece of machinery, not everybody can operate it. Welcome back everybody to the Con Expo Con Egg podcast brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu. Cannot wait to see what they have in store for us at this year's Con Expo show in March today. I have with me the world's best operator. We're going to go ahead and label him. Um <laughs> he's like mm, don't 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 say that. Yeah. Uh John, Not Sh- quite. John Shidek um from uh, Shidek Construction. So uh, all the way from Central Texas. So thanks for being on the show, John. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, no, man. I uh whenever I saw your uh, your work uh at the uh the the cat uh, the Global Operator Challenge. I uh, was like, well, this is somebody who I want to have on and then followed you on Instagram and saw that you have a lot of stuff kind of going on. And rather than ask you over social media, I kind of wanted to just get on here and had a good opportunity to chat about you and what you have going on. So I'd like to know a little bit about yourself, like what you have going on. Uh, do you own a business? Do you you just run machinery? What's What do, we, what do you got?
1: Yes, I... Uh... I own uh, my own 140M blade and uh, did a lot of owner-operator type work with that. And uh, when I moved here to Texas, I started picking up a lot of my own work. So I'm kind of leaving the seat per se and going out and branching out, trying to get my own work and go that route. So
0: Nice. How, how long have you done this? So and you have you always just done greater work or?
1: No, I've, I've been in the construction industry for almost 17 years and uh, I've done pretty much everything top side. I'm not very well versed in underground side. I've done some of it, but more on the finish grading type end of the work. But I've been running blade for myself probably six years now, owning my own blade. And I worked for a company before as a utility hand running everything they had, mostly blade for them for probably eh, five years for them. So I, I wanna know what got you into
0: doing your own thing. But first of all, like when you say 17 years, what got you into the industry as a as a whole?
1: Uh, it's kind of a, a family venture. I'm third generation in the seat. Uh, my grandparents uh, moved here from Germany um, after World War II. And uh, when my grandpa moved to California, he ended up uh, starting, a, he hadn't seen a need for, for uh, doing septics and that sort of thing in the area. And, uh, so he bought a backhoe and dump truck, then, uh, moved over to, uh, getting my dad involved and my dad took it a step further. And, and then in 2008, when the recession hit, uh my dad got out of it and kind of branched out to doing mm-hmm. more fabricating type work. And, uh, I took over the, the earth moving side. So.
0: Oh wow, nice. So that's pretty cool your grandfather started doing some septic's and stuff. That's kind of what we uh that's what we do up here. That's that's pretty interesting with it just with the backhoe and stuff like that.
1: Yep. 1979 I think is when he started. Wow, that's incredible. So
0: growing up then that kind of obviously got you into it, um being in and around the industry, what aspects of it were you like, okay, well this is what I'm going to do or is it just cuz that's what family did? That's what that's the path that I'm going to take?
1: I was in the seat, you know, I couldn't even sit in it, just reaching the pedals, standing against the seat. And I knew that's what I wanted to do from from day one. I mean, everything I've, I've set to do, you know, when you're a kid, everyone asks you, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, and my three answers were drive trains, fly planes and drive tractors. And I've done, I've done all three. So, (laughs) but
0: yeah, that's pretty neat. So you, you, you can fly planes.
1: Yeah, I've flown before. I'm not a licensed pilot yet. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for that opportunity to
0: come. That's awesome. Yeah, that'd be something that I would like to try too. That's something about being up there, the freedom of it. It's all m- much like driving a grader, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, I contribute a lot. Uh, I talked with the pilot for a while and, you know, running GPS and having that bubble in your butt, you know, when you run machines, a lot of it, he said a lot of blade hands that he's known make really good pilots. That's cool. That's really neat. So what
0: got you into doing, um, you did utility work, but then what got you into doing graders and and stuff like that?
1: It all started with a water truck, actually. I I worked for a company in the Bay Area in California, and uh, we couldn't find any water trucks. And uh, so I ended up driving down to LA. I bought just a little bobtail Ford L8000, and uh, I built my own truck. I maxed out my credit card, maxed out my savings, and put the whole thing together in my dad's shop, you know, and uh, the thing paid for itself in the first month. And that kind of escalated to buying a a mini excavator. And I was renting all these to the company I was working for. They were really good to me. And uh, so I ended up, um, we had five motor graders on rent at the time. And I'm like, man, I wonder what it'd take to buy a blade. And uh, so I started looking into it. And unfortunately, uh, we had to part ways, conflict of interest, I guess. And I was stuck with a motor grader, so <laughs> I made it work. Just started calling all the big name contractors around and seeing if they needed, you know, some help on a blade and they started hiring me and it went from there. I, I was I my blade, let's see, it had eleven hundred hours on it and I bought it in two thousand seventeen and I'm at eight thousand hours on it now. So I, I put some hours on it in those few short years. <laughs> wow. And so you're owner operator then. Yeah, pretty much.
0: So what are some some challenges like I mean like being an owner operator I mean like if you're you're renting out, you're the one that's doing it, so like do you have help on the back end like like doing the the you know the invoicing and the books and stuff like that, or are you just you're it
1: No, my wife helps me a lot with the books, um she does all the invoicing, she does all the uh insurance stuff, and when I was in California, we were reunions, so she would handle all that stuff and that helped a lot. That way I could go to work and focus on the task at hand, you know. Nice.
0: There's something to be said about kind of what you just said before that, those, you, you maxed out the credit cards and your savings and you went all in. I mean, like, you know, you say that super quick, but I mean, like, that's a huge life decision. <laughs> I mean, that is something that not a lot of people do take that amount of risk, right? What was the thought process behind that? Like, was it, was it daunting? Was it scary?
1: Uh, for me, I knew it would work. My wife, on the other hand, she wouldn't talk to me. (laughs) She didn't want nothing to do with any of it. And then uh, after it paid for itself, she realized, okay, she trusts me, you know? So, you know, with the water truck, she had a hard time with me doing that. And when I bought the excavator, she had a little hard time with that. And then when I bought the blade, I mean, it was over $400,000 and and she didn't even bat an eye because she knew it was going to work at that time. So
0: (laughs) that's good. So you basically you're you believed in yourself and you're like yeah you know, no matter what I can make this happen
1: yeah I I think it's just a matter of kind of being stubborn to a point you know you got to make it work so where
0: did the skill come into then I mean like obviously being an owner operator you're doing it like you said you bought it with eleven hundred you got eight thousand hours on it now that's a lot of hours what sets you apart from other operators I mean like what 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 do you think it is you just like obviously when you're a good operator like if I'm in the bulldozer. You know, like I have a, I always say, like I have a good eye for grade. You know, like I can tell just by looking at some. A good operator can tell just by looking at something or the feeling, the way they're feeling of okay, my my front's dipping a bit right now, at least on the dozer. You know, like okay, I went down a bit here. I'm gonna feel it when I'm backing up, so I gotta lift here. You know, like you you, you kind of know. What is it with 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 you that kind of sets you apart? Do you have you always had an eye for grade or perfection?
1: I think that's it. I was telling you about my grandpa who immigrated here from Germany, so. He's got a really big artist or had he passed away, but had a big artistic side and uh, did oil paintings and he's got paintings all around the world. And I think his artistic side kind of transferred down to me. This is my artistic side. I mean, I I am a perfectionist and I I have to tell myself, don't worry about it. it. It looks good, but in my mind, it's never good enough, you know
0: yeah the, you have to be a bit of a perfectionist with stuff like this and and being able to tell yourself like now like that's That's not just good enough, you know, like that attitude of, you know, operators like, ah, well, that's good enough, you know, especially when you're an owner operator, that's completely different, right? Because your, your work is your reputation and your reputation is if you get hired or not. So obviously if you've done that many hours, you've managed to keep yourself busy, which means that you do good work. So you do really good work and you become that greater operator that people are like, well, you know, John, he's really good at this. Well, then you're probably going to have work lined up for a while because people are going to want you on their job sites.
1: Yep. That's how uh, it ended up working out with Texas. Um, I've wanted to move to Texas for quite a while, um, just never really had the opportunity to. And a uh, good friend and client of mine in California had bought 50 acres here in Texas down by San Antonio. And uh, he asked me because we were rained out, you know, was, we couldn't do any work in at the time in, in winter time in California. So he asked if uh, I'd be interested in going out to his place uh, that he had bought and doing a driveway and house pad and all that for him. And uh, he moved all my equipment out here to do the work. And through social media and Instagram, actually a really good friend of mine found out I was here and he's a big shot at one of the local contractors here and found out I was here and said, you're not leaving. And uh, I never left. I I told my wife, you got three weeks, pack the house up in the horse trailer and let's go. And that's what happened. That That's worked out ever since. But all through reputation and social media and people seeing what I do,
0: you know. Wow. You're an all-in kind of guy. Yeah, to a fault. <laughs> He's, yeah, took the risk, maxed everything out, and then moved the family out. That's a big decision.
1: Yeah. A lot of it is faith, I think, to having a good relationship with God. is uh, I contribute a lot of it.
0: Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, there's there's always something playing there, hundred percent. But what's you have some pictures of some some skid steers and, and I saw a story you had a it was a skid steer with like like it looked like the XE with like the cooling package on top. So do you have other machinery as well?
1: Yeah, so I got um, that skid steer two ninety nine D three. I got the mulching or the forestry package on it, so I got a mulcher and brush hog and a bunch of other uh, you know attachments that would go with it. I got a six fifteen scraper and then between my dad and I we got a uh, a three fifty nine Peterbilt with an end up and um three seventy nine Peterbilt, four thousand gallon water truck.
0: So well, wow, that's pretty impressive. So do you guys do you run all those things then?
1: It's actually uh my dad, my brother and I, we all do it together. We're at the point right now with work where we need an extra hand that's growing too fast already. So um I don't know when that's going to happen, but it'll happen here pretty soon, I think. When you say, you know, there's so much work ahead and stuff like
0: that, what do you think about the way everything's going on in the news right now when people are talking about, you know, recession or slowdown or stuff like that? Are you seeing any signs of that?
1: I mean, it's slowing down a little bit here, but I'm kind of watching all the big dogs and bigger guys out there and they're still going at it, you know, so. I'm not seeing too much of a slowdown in here. I think Texas is going to be kind of isolated from it just because of how many people are moving here. And I mean, I'm one of them. Especially Texas. Yeah. So I think they're going to be a little isolated from it. I hope and pray. The job sites that you
0: guys are on, are you on, is it like for residential developments and like roads or are you doing pads for commercial buildings or what kind of construction is it?
1: Uh we're doing right now uh some some big apartment complex pads and then we got a couple little commercial jobs. Um I actually do a lot of work uh for some of Elon Musk's companies that are that are here <laughs> and uh, so I picked some of that up. They keep me pretty pretty busy doing oddball stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've done uh we did a big turn lane for um off one of the main highways out here for uh for one of their facilities cuz uh, they they're blocking all the traffic with their deliveries coming in. So did that. that. yeah, they're keeping us pretty busy. It's pretty nice. Wow, that's pretty
0: cool. You don't hear that too often. That's pretty neat. What's it like? Like, whenever he like, what's the word? Like, whenever he started moving in town and and like, so is, he's obviously creating work and jobs for people.
1: Well, I mean, he's got uh, the Boring Company, which is his tunneling company. And then right across the street is SpaceX. And then probably yeah. Yeah, 20 minutes away is Tesla, the huge gigafactory he just built. Oh, you're close to that. You ever seen that in person? Yeah, I drive by it all the time. It's huge. (laughs) Is it pretty incredible? Yeah, it's probably a mile long just driving. It's huge. And then we got uh, Samsung. They're doing a huge microchip plant uh, just north of us in Taylor, Texas. They're actually right next to uh, one of the jobs I'm doing for those apartment pads. And uh, when you look, we're right next to maybe a quarter mile away. and we counted 130 cranes out there at one time. And that was just what we could see on the skyline. When you drive by, they got a lot smaller cranes, you know, in between in the mix. And uh, it looks like Con Expo when you, uh, you know, the the skyline of all the cranes at Con Expo, it looks just like that.
0: (laughs) It's crazy. Wow. I mean, those scales of those jobs. I mean, like that's something that I don't see here. And I mean, I think there may be, I don't even know in Canada if they build stuff like that, you know, like, I mean, that just sounds, that's so intriguing to me. Like hearing that it's so interesting. It's so unique. Like job sites that big, like the gigafactory, like, like seeing that when it was under construction, I mean, like just the amount of dirt that was moved and, and, and machinery that was there and then the concrete and then the, like, that's pretty incredible.
1: The Samsung plant, I've been told that I can't confirm it, but I've been told that it can fit three of the Tesla gigafactories inside it. That's how big it is. And when you're out there looking at it, it's pretty much connecting two cities together. It's astronomical, the size of it. Wow. And that creates a lot of work for people. Oh, yeah. That town of Taylor is exploding right now with with housing. It's insane. That's another reason why I don't think it's really going to slow down too much, at least for a while, because uh, you see all these big corporations coming here and they're going to have to have people working, you know yeah i think that
0: that's kind of important and during a recession too if you know there ever is or or talk of one you know it it helps kind of location where you are i always say here in ottawa we're in a good location here in canada because we're the nation's capital this is where parliament is so about 70 percent of our population is federal workers so they're still always kind of spending money you know regardless of recession or not because they don't really lose their jobs but like in a case like yours you know like yeah like no matter what, they're building these factories, no matter what, they need people to work there. So they're going to build the communities to support the workers. And uh, so it kind of sounds like you're in a good position
1: for that. I think so. I mean, I I just heard Caterpillars moving their headquarters um, here to Texas as well, to Dallas. So that's three hours from us, but still, you know, another big corporation moving down here. So what is it with Texas? I don't know. It's just they're very friendly on tax laws. I bet <laughs> for all these big places. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that they're good on taxes there. Yeah, I love it here. It it's it's amazing here. Uh, leaving a place like California and then coming here, it, it's complete opposite. You don't realize that. Oh yeah, you don't realize the freedoms that you you had uh, had taken away in California until you come to a place like this. Yeah, hundred percent. It's just free. Oh, for sure. So I want to talk about your
0: uh, operator challenge. So um Kat puts on a heavy equipment operators challenge every year, right? Uh every three years. Every three years, okay. Like on Expo. And uh so how did the process go for that? Did you submit yourself for it? Like how does how did that kind of come about?
1: Yeah, so I ended up signing up myself for it. I wasn't going to, but um, you know, with my social media following, everybody kept messaging me. I probably had. 60 people messaged me dude you got to sign up you got to sign up i'm like ah i don't really want to And they just kept pounding me so i ended up doing it and uh yeah won the first two in texas then went to the regionals in north carolina and, and won that one and now on to vegas <laughs> so when is it in vegas uh it's actually the day of my anniversary uh march 14th
0: oh wow first day of con expo or the second day first or second day of con expo no
1: way i think it's the first yeah Wow. Yeah. I, I took my wife to Con Expo uh three years ago and uh told her I took her to a tractor show for her anniversary. And then uh, now we're going back again. So now I gotta win it for her, you know, being our gotta make it a gift for her, I guess.
0: <laughs> so do you run all different types of machinery for this competition or
1: Yeah, um so at the at the local one in San Antonio I ran a uh, believe it was a nine fifty wheel loader um and then uh what was it a 301.5 i think little tiny excavator with expandable tracks you know and then uh 320 so then uh, when i won that one they sent me up to dallas and they had the same exact competition going on there so the winner of that competition and myself went head to head in a little skid steer challenge where we had to grade some, you know the closest 4 inches below form boards in a tight little form board s- setup and uh so then North Carolina, they had a, a 315 that we had to do some digging with, a uh, 950. I think it was a 950. It reminded me of a 966. And then they, uh, a 420 backhoe that I don't know what, what Con Expos, uh has in store. They won't release any of that. They said it's top secret. <laughs> it's top secret knowledge. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I heard at Con Expo they're not even going to allow the other uh, participants to watch the person that's doing the challenge at that moment. Because like in North Carolina, you know, everyone watches everyone and you pick up tricks of one guy does something good and everyone else does that, you know. So I don't even think they're going to allow spectator or the comp- the competitors to watch. Did you go first or last? they kind of had it broke up I never went first but I never went last I was kind of right in the middle in most of them (laughs) that's good yeah no one likes going first (laughs) no 100% We are less
0: than 100 days from the 2023 show. That's right. We are coming up on the largest construction family reunion in North America. ConExpo ConAg is going to be here before we know it. If you have not registered yet, there's still time to secure your tickets. Visit ConExpoConAg.com and use the promo code PODCAST20 to get 20% off. That's right. 20% off with promo code PODCAST20. If you already have your tickets to the show, join us in the countdown to the show and comment below to let us know you're going to be there and what you're most excited to see. I mean, I was going to say, like, what a skill, you know, like to be that good, to be able to go somewhere and do something like that regardless of what brand or machinery or whatnot, like, I mean, like that's people don't realize just how hard it is to actually run a piece of machinery. Like anybody, uh, you know, what's it like runner operating is hard. Like anybody can run a piece of machinery. Not everybody can operate it. And uh, it's pretty impressive that, you know, you can actually do that like with a machine and be that good to where you're kind of recognized, you know?
1: Yeah. It is pretty challenging too, even if you're experienced at it because you know, you're, you're not used to running brand new equipment all day and you jump on a brand new machine and every machine's got its own little quirks, you know, and to jump on it and you don't know the quirks, they don't give you any warm up time. You're just, you're thrown in the fire. Here you go. And it's pretty tricky. You know, you got a real short window to learn that machine. Yeah. There was uh,
0: an instance, we plow an airport here in Ottawa and uh, we have a Komatsu 655 uh, grader and uh, it's an awesome grader. I love it beautiful piece of machinery, awesome set line of sight, everything. And uh, I've never run a grader before. And the guy that normally runs a grader, he uh, slept in one morning and we had a patient transfer flying in. So somebody that needed to go to the hospital. So I needed to hop in the grader super quick and uh, had to teach myself real quick how to run a grader. And it's not a piece of machine, easy piece of machinery to learn, you know, like there's a lot of like, I, I always say, it, like, we call it praying mantis because, first of all, it looks like a, they always look like praying mantises, but you got all these. Is yours joystick? Yeah, mine's joystick. Yeah, okay. So, this has all all these, these knobbies up top, and I'm like doing this, and one's moving the blade this way, one's moving it up this way. And then, then, then all of a sudden, I'm like pivoting the whole, the whole grater side to side. Yeah. And then my tires are turning like this and that. I mean, like, how do you with a grader like how what was the learning curve on a grader a piece of machinery like that
1: well i started on the h models that the same the piano keys or man praying we style like you said my dad ran blade for man years you know i can't even count how many years and uh, so every time i got an opportunity or he got an opportunity to let me on it he threw me on it and he did yelled that by the boss get him off there and then the boss would leave me, he'd throw me back on you know i so i got a lot of just Small windows of seat time, and uh, then uh, got fairly good on the the H model blade, and got thrown on an M at the company that I started my water truck and everything with. And that was first time ever in an M. And uh, the very first day, they stuck me in a little alleyway that was probably twelve foot wide with a fourteen foot blade, and I broke a fire hydrant off with it at backing up because the M, you can't see nothing behind you because all the filter stacked, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it's a big learning curve, especially trying to back up. But I gave about four months and man, it started feeling real comfortable with it. And now I'll never go back. I mean, I I like getting in an an H because I feel like a a real blade hand when I get in one. But uh, the M is just so intuitive and everything's right there going around manholes. It's all one smooth move and it's just like flows like water you know yeah
0: well i guess if it's i don't know i've always said said this you know when we're hiring people or just getting a piece of machinery you know like having it in your blood you know like i always said like it's in my blood like i remember i remember being 10 or 11 years old scooping out some dirt from a ditch and i was running an excavator and i remember dad being like you know like how you like that Hey, like that tay and i was like oh i love it And he'd be like all right well tell me like like whenever you move like like how are you you doing this hand to that and this and i remember saying to him like i don't know i couldn't explain to you how i'm doing it i'm just doing it and he's like and i remember him saying like because it's in your blood you know yeah and i remember him saying that and uh, i think that that's true too like obviously any you know you can learn a, a skill and i'm not saying that you can't but i feel like when something's truly in your blood or or like operating, you know, it's, it's there. And I think that's what makes a really good operator stand out. Would you agree with that?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know what, what makes it in your blood, but if you're raised around it and, and previous families done it, you've, you're going to do it. (laughs) I agree. I mean, I got my son, he's, he's nine years old right now. We're, we're building uh, some property up 16 acres just down the road from here. And I had him on my 299 uh, yesterday, actually. I saw that. I wanted to say that. That's super cool to see. Yeah. I mean, he's better than half the people that I've seen run the things, you know, and he's only nine. So that makes me proud. You know, a lot of the stuff that he was doing, he just picked up naturally, you know, and like digging into a pile, you know, he found out that if you just dig in the same spot of the pile it gets harder and harder, you know, so he figured out to kind of chase the loose parts of the pile and he was working his way around the whole pile. I never told him that he just figured it out,
0: you know, that's awesome. I'm always looking forward to those moments. You know, I have a, I have a uh, 18 month old daughter and another one on the way. And, uh, you know, I always, I can't wait for, for those moments to share those uh, with my kids. I think that's pretty, uh, that's, that's pretty special.
1: It is. I love every bit of it and wouldn't trade it for nothing.
0: So your nine-year-old, does he have, he has interests and obviously he wants to, he wants to keep it in the family then operating?
1: Uh, I don't know yet. He's, he's kind of in his own little things that he enjoys, but he, he loves running equipment, you know, so. Well, he's got some time. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to force him to do it. I'm going to let him do kind of go where he wants to go and see what he, what he pick up and likes to do, you know, but one day I'll get my daughter in the stuff, but right now she'll. She crashing into anything. She's a nut. <laughs> I catch her riding her motorcycle, standing on the seat, and she's only five. You know, she's got a little Peewee fifty. That's yeah, pretty fun. That's awesome. <laughs> she's a nut.
0: I think that's important to grow your kids up like around that sort of stuff. And like you said, like little Peewee fifty, and like I grew up doing that sort of stuff too. You know, and like I think there's a lot of importance in letting kids do dangerous stuff safely. You know, I always say that I think that that's really important because like you don't want them to be too coddled or or be over safe or not let them do this or do that, because then they grow up in a world where everything's like, oh, and I feel like they find they find themselves that way, too. Maybe, you know, like, I don't know. I think that that's really important, learning like those motor skills and stuff like that from a really young age. Those are skills that even though she's just bombing around on a peewee 50, you know, like those are skills she'll bring with her for her entire
1: life. Yep, core memories, and it's not just riding a motorcycle. It goes into other things of her life, like you said.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I wanted to chat with you about uh, technology. I saw a couple of posts that you were doing. You had some Trimble and stuff like that. What's What's your experience been like um with you no know, GPS and technology on the job site?
1: Man, I love it. I wouldn't wouldn't want to do without it. Everyone gives GPS a bad name in the industry, saying you know you're not a hand if you use GPS or something, but It's just a tool like anything else, you know, then man, you can't beat a a good operator with GPS. There's, I mean, you could take a guy that's never run it before and stick him in and he can run it for one that, that makes some production there, but a good operator that knows how to move the material and knows where he's at at all times, you can't even compare it. So then here's something. So.
0: You said something there. So an operator that doesn't know how to operate, jam them in and they can still operate, you'll get production out of them. Is there value in that or is there value them not learning with GPS first and then going on to GPS? Or do you do that? You stick them on and say, hey, I'm getting my money's worth out of this guy. And so what? He doesn't know how to run it without GPS, but he's doing it.
1: You know, there's advantages to both, but I really think throwing them in the GPS machine they can learn how to manipulate the material with the help of the GPS. So I, I think it would help them pick up uh, the learning curve faster in the machine. You know, because like you said, with a dozer, you you gotta kind of know that tipping point. With the GPS, you know, they they will figure out that tipping point and what see what the blade's doing and help them figure that out. You know, like right now, I'm I'm kind of helping my brother out. You know, learn, he's learning to run the blade and. He knows how to run gps fairly decent but he doesn't know how to run the blade that well he can move it and and run it like you said but not really operate it and i'm able to to give him pointers and that most people would take a lot longer to pick up just doing it freehand you know and he could figure it out with the gps helping him
0: so whenever maybe some some listeners you know and i feel like i always skip over this you might be a good person to get in depth with this but like when we're talking about GPS and, you know, oh, like it helps you operate and stuff like that. Like, does it run the machine for you? Is it showing you grades and you're still operating it? What's the the system doing with your machine when you're operating?
1: So it, it's definitely not running it for you. It automates a lot of your functions as far as blade height and and that sort of thing. But you still, as an operator, have to know what that material is going to do, because all it's doing is trying to go to grade. The grade you set it at, it's going to go to. So, I mean, you have to know, you know, if I got three feet of cut right there, obviously I can't take three feet of cut in one shot. You got to know how to run the machine until you can get to a point where that GPS can take over and, and help you.
0: So you have, you know, your set of plans and you have a, sc- a separate screen inside your 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 grader. Are you hitting pinpoints on it? Is it telling you, okay, this is the project for today? Is there a task? Are you giving a task? How does it work?
1: No, so it, it, you just basically have your set of plans and you kind of, you know, the machine moves on those plans. You got a little machine icon and it follows where or the plans move on the screen. Your machine stays where you're at, obviously. But um, you kind of got to go explore the job and put your blade on the ground and see what the surface conditions are. And kind of make a game plan of where you want to cut. You know, obviously, you know, if you're going on a rough grade job, you're going to have your cut fill map that'll kind of give you your heavy cuts and your heavy fills. But when you start getting down to the nitty gritty, you got to have that blade on the ground and know, you know, hey, this, there's still quite a bit of cut over here. And then know where your fills are at. And just driving around is the only way to figure that out. How fine when you're,
0: because you, obviously you do fine grading. I mean, like, how close is the GPS getting you? Like
1: within cents? Yeah, with, so um, this job I was just doing um, up the road for those big apartment pads, I was within 200s on it. And it's a nice wide open field, no trees, no obstructions, just a good clear satellite signal. And on a good day like that, you'll get in within the hundreds. So the weather
0: does does, so if it's a cloudy rainy day, you might do a, a worse job because the signal's not as good?
1: No, the clouds don't seem to affect it that much. What affects it the most is like buildings and trees and and that's anything that can, you know, because it's triangulating out of the out of the sky. So anything that blocks, you know, if there's a building there, obviously you're not going to get your signal down um, where it's trying to triangulate. So you'll lose satellites, you know. But yeah, without any obstructions, easily 500s all day long. That is crazy.
0: How long has that been on your machine? Like how long has, have you been using technology? And is that something that when you're an owner operator that you were like, okay, I'm going to buy some machinery and I'm going to operate it and rent myself out. I better buy some technology along with this. When did that investment, because it's a big investment, like it's expensive, this technology. So when did you think, okay, this might be something I should invest in?
1: Uh, It was day one when I bought the machine. I had to have it in California. If you don't have it, and you're trying to do any kind of owner operator work, you won't stay busy without it because all of the big contractors use it and uh, they're not gonna put a grade setter with you all day long to babysit you. I mean, a lot of the jobs there, they didn't even have staking. You check in on, on one survey point in the beginning of the day and everything checks out and you go. So it was an investment from day one, had to have it. Wow,
0: how steep was the, was the learning curve whenever you started using it? Like how many years ago was that?
1: So I started learning it um, when I was working for the company that I did the the water truck stuff with, and um, that was in 2013 and um, took me about a year. I mean, you could pick it up, the general basics of it within a few weeks um, and get pretty productive at it, but to really get the ins and outs and all the deep features that people don't use that often, that took about a year. And even now I'm still finding stuff that I never even knew it could do, you know? (laughs) So, I'm still learning with it.
0: That's really neat. Is it something that like you would recommend to somebody that was being an owner operator like obviously you said like it's super hard to stay busy without it. Like would you be like, okay, you're going to get a machine and then you're going to want this and like have you always been Trimble or has it been somebody else or why Trimble?
1: I've ran Topcon on other people's machines and stuff and it's good. It's a great system, but I've just never really cared for it too much, but um most of the contractors that I knew that I was going to be trying to go to work for with my blade um, ran Trimble, and uh, so that's the reason I went with Trimble because that's what everyone had. And uh, I can you can still run Trimble with Topcon bass, but you have to have a special radio that reads with Topcon frequencies and stuff, which you can get around that. But yeah, at the like in Texas, if I was if I started here. I would probably went with TopCon because a lot of the contractors here run TopCon. But that's just how, you know, it worked out for me running Trimble. How, how have you seen it change over the years, the
0: technology of the GPS? Like, as far as like, this is our newest and greatest screen. This is our newest and greatest software release. Has it changed immensely?
1: Has it changed not much? Oh, it's changed tremendously in 17 years that I've done it. I remember when they were first testing out, I I believe it was Trimble. It may have been TopCon, but it was a backpack unit that the grade setter had to carry as a backpack and walk around on the job, you know? And, uh, when I started my first company, I worked for it, it was all pulling tape and hubs and doing staking and all that. And you'd have a 10 foot cut with a stake in the middle of the pile at the top of it, you know, so you didn't wipe it out. But, um, I remember the, the, very first day we got our first trimble rover but everything before that was all like topcon system five where it was you know you got your laser receiver with the monkey that ran up the pole you know so it's changed tremendously especially like my my machine running massless now um on the blade that's a huge game changer for a motor grader because now you get all your Ex-
0: explain that what's that oh, no no um
1: pole no gps poles on the corners of the blades anymore so so that's something new they just came out with yeah so uh, i believe topcon it, topcon has it i know for sure in the john deere machines um, i think they have incorporated it into other manufacturers as well but uh trimble has it for cap you know and uh before you had the poles on the end of the blade and you had to be really careful that you didn't hit your cab with a gps receiver or um you didn't hit your front Light or whatever on, the, you know your your other receiver, and you're always watching those heads rather than kind of watching your work, and and then it limited the mobility of the motor grader. You know, there's a lot of things that you trying to cut a, a back slope or something, and you'd swing your blade out to the side. You'd have to be really careful with that, or or not even do it at all because the mast would be in your way. And to eliminate those has brought back all the versatility that a motor grader had. You know, I. I can spin my mobile around 180 degrees where it's facing backwards now and grade backwards with it if I want. And I've done that quite a bit. You know, Um, I was working on a a freeway job on interstate five in California, right after they, they put the mastless on and uh, we're doing median work and there's nowhere to turn around unless you drive five miles down the, down the way, you know? And so there'd be times where I'd have, I would just spin my blade around and blade backwards and, make some grains or fills and then turn it back around and, you know, cut it to grade. That's crazy. Where do you
0: see it going? Like from here, like what's something that you like are like, ah, they should really do this with it next or, or, oh, like where does it go from here?
1: Oh man. On a motor grader. I really don't know. It's almost perfect. They got it dialed in. I mean, that's what I mean. That's why I ask. Like, it's
0: it's almost like where, where can they go with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I know I've seen and heard of some rumors in the industry of them using like LIDAR on the front of the machines that scans, you know, so you can see what what material you have in front of you. I mean, that would be a pretty cool uh, feature to incorporate into it. So you it's always a running tally of how much cut or fill you have and you don't have to, like I was explaining earlier, drive around the job to figure it out. It kind of records it as it goes. That'd be pretty cool. Wow.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like with the technology and stuff, there's just such a, I feel like there's always something new coming out, but I feel like in construction, at least like it took a bit for the technology. And like, to be honest with you, like GPS up here, like it's, it's obviously huge. It's, it's massive, but like guys in our line of work, like a lot of the residential stuff, they're not really using it. I'm a big advocate for it, even though we don't have it. I've never even used it. I've used it on some job sites just because like some other companies were there and, you know, walk around with the guy with the with the pole stick and kind of like mark out stuff and just that aspect of it. But as far as being on a GPS guided machine, like I've never done that. And, you know, everything that I've been told is like you know, the smaller residential guys, I mentioned, it, and they're like, like, why would you use it on a septic or a house dig? Like, that would make no sense. You don't need it. Like, what, what do you say to that? Because I'm generally curious, because I want to make the investment in technology and obviously, but people are like, no, nah, like just for house digs and house digs and laneways and septics, you don't need that.
1: Well, man, um, maybe for septics, you know, it might not be the best thing for that. I, I still think it would be you know, cause you can, you could do an infield design and carry percentages, you know, for flow and all that, you need that. And to have that right at your fingertips and you don't have to grade check and shoot it with a laser, that would be a huge benefit. But, um, for house digs, man, a perfect example I could think of would be Ryan from rock structures. I know he uses it on all his house digs and you have no stakes that you have to worry about knocking out. Everything's right in front of you on your plans. And, and, when you hit grade, it it does grade for you. I mean, if you're doing any kind of work, doing house digs, that that's a huge game changer.
0: I think my old man when he li- when he's listening to this right now, I think he he should value that because seriously, he is the biggest advocate for saying like, nah, we're not spending a hundred thousand or <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know, to outfit stuff. But I could count so many times this year where we've gotten a caller from the builder, or the homeowner being like, your boys ripped out the stakes. I got to get the surveyor back. It's $400. Now we're going to charge you those $400 because the boys and they didn't do it on purpose, but they just backed over a stake, you know, a, a corner stake. And now the forming guys have nothing to measure it. Like, and, and we can't, we don't know, like, is that, is that the four foot offset? Did you do it? Correct. You know? So, I mean, just right there, even when you say that it makes so much sense to, to do that.
1: Yeah. I, you're, Doing the house dig, you wouldn't even have to worry about where you're throwing your spoils. You know, a lot of times they get in your way and you could just throw it right next to you and not worry about wiping out your line work or stakes. And then when you move over to the next pass, move it out of your way and you still got all your grades right there. You know, yeah, it's it, huge benefit.
0: And I think that's across the board with technology. Is there anything else in construction, like technology that you're kind of like... That you utilize and use a lot, like as far as like not even just grades, but just other stuff, like whether it be like in the machine or
1: not so much really um just g p s yeah and and a lot of it's coming incorporated in the machines now, like all the new cat excavators have the two d grade control incorporated, which is a really awesome feature i a whole cat rented me one to kind of practice with the operator's challenge and stuff, and it had it, and I dug my whole house pad with it. Never pulled a laser out and I, I went and checked it and it was within a tenth, you know, with just benching your teeth and backing up and benching again. Um, that that's pretty cool stuff that's coming out.
0: Yeah. And I think what's really cool is there's going to be like, what's cool about the con expo show is that you get to see a lot of that stuff. And obviously people showcase the best of the best, whether it be, you know, uh cat or your Komatsu or John Deere or Doosan or Sandy or Hyundai or all these brands, you know, that, that showcase the best of the best or Topcon or Trimble or Leica, um, they show off kind of what they have up and coming. And I think that that's, what's going to be really cool. And that's, what's cool about the show is seeing what's coming up and what's next. Um, what, what, as far as the show, um, do you look forward to a con expo? It doesn't have to be, maybe it's having beers with guys and just networking, but, uh, you know, what, what do you, what do you look forward to at, uh, at the con expo show coming up, coming up in March?
1: I like the technology side. I, I like seeing like the Trimble side and I mean, Topcon and like, like you said, but Trimble for sure, because I run it and seeing all the new, new things they're coming out with that you don't ever get to see. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And uh, obviously all the new equipment, I, I really want to get myself an excavator with a tilt rotator. So I like seeing that kind of stuff. And I know there's a lot of different brands at ConExpo that are showcasing their stuff there. So everything at ConExpo is just amazing for if, you're, if you are have any kind of interest in this industry, you know, it's, it's really awesome to check out
0: yeah man uh, i look forward to seeing you there and I, I thank you for coming on the podcast today and chatting with it chatting with us about this and uh hopefully uh everyone can catch up with john at uh, con expo uh in march
1: yeah i'm looking forward to it too. i can't wait i know i got a lot of people i gotta meet up with <laughs> <laughs> i know the list never ends yeah i hope i can at least see the show
0: a little bit well there's a lot of it to see so Awesome. All right, John. Well, thank you for listening to the Con Expo Con Ag podcast brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu. John and I shall see you in March. Take care. Thanks, John. Thank you very much, Taylor. We are less than 100 days from the 2023 show. That's right. We are coming up on the largest construction family reunion in North America. Con Expo Con is going to be here before we know it. If you have not registered yet, there's still time to secure your tickets. Visit conexpoconag.com and use the promo code PODCAST20 to get 20% off. That's right, 20% off with promo code PODCAST20. If you already have your tickets to the show, join us in the countdown to the show and comment below to let us know you're going to be there and what you're most excited to see.